Be Your Best You, the Passionate to Purpose podcast with David Delaney. Good morning and welcome. It's Friday. It's the Be Your Best You podcast, where this morning we are joined by Barbara Byrne. Barbara is an inspiring life coach, international co-author and award-winning weight loss consultant. She has worked tirelessly with women and men to coach, inspire and encourage them through their personal transformations for over 10 years, empowering and supporting clients to create change in their relationships with themselves and others, as well as their personal lives to achieve their personal goals. She absolutely loves walking and being outdoors drives her unique coaching style and she's passionate about enabling others to find their own way to personal freedom. Barbara knows firsthand the effects of intense grief traumatic marriage breakdown and dark depression and Barbara shares some of that story with us this morning. Barbara you're very very welcome it's great to have you on the podcast this morning. Thanks very much for having me thank you. No problem at all. Barbara you are a coach a weight loss consultant author Um, tell us a little bit about what you do. Okay well I suppose my journey would have started with my weight loss journey Um, I lost almost six stone, well, five stone, nine pounds to be precise. Um, Approximately, my journey began almost 11 years ago and I've been maintaining my weight loss literally for the past almost 10 years. So it took me about a year, as I said, slowly, surely does it, but I got there at the end. But through that, I trained to become a Slimmer World consultant when Slimmer World was relatively new in Ireland. Um, And I still do it today. I absolutely love it. Um, Very, very... I suppose, enriching to see people literally transform and change their lives. Um, But about probably about three or four years ago, I, well, I was already on a bit of a personal development journey and I always thought I'd like to write a book or maybe share my story. And part of that was freedom from guilt and shame of the past. And part of it was, um, well, what would it lead to if I did share my story? So, Um, I randomly saw, I seem to randomly see people looking for people in Facebook business groups. And I just saw a lady basically saying, I'm sharing the story of X, Y, and Z in a, in a book. My mentor is looking for 33 women to share theirs. Would you be interested? And I was like, yeah, why not? So I rang the lady in question, or she got in touch with me through this lady. And I ended up having coaching with her as a result of sharing my story in the book Um, and during that I suppose I realized how much deeper I could go with people if I wasn't just doing because with Slimmer World it's a franchise and I love the food aspect of it and how that works and as much as I can go deep with people in a group scenario I can't go to the deeper level that's necessary and I would say for probably most of my members would need it they may not be ready for it and that's perfectly okay but it just means if somebody wants to go deeper into their mindset and what happens behind, because the biggest learning for me was I thought weight loss was all about food. And most people think that, but it's actually about the emotions that's behind that. Why did I basically dumb down my feelings with alcohol, dumb down my feelings with rubbish, takeaways, yeah. stuff, basically, because so I couldn't cope. So there was a lot more to it yeah. than just so- changing our habits. So the, the mindset work then, um, that probably is a parallel with the coaching work that you do, um, that that's, they, they bounce off each other, yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, and I found, I suppose, the more I learn, the more I want to share it, but I know that I can't share it to that deep level. So what I started to do was to then introduce to my members the fact that I am a life coach and I can help them, you know, set clearer goals and go deeper with the work behind it to, to achieve them and that it wasn't just about weight loss either. Okay. And that, that takes courage, which leads me on to the, the next um, thing, Voices of Courage. You were co-author on, on that book. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Um, well, as I said, I met Brenda Dempsey. She was introduced to me through um, another lady in a Facebook group. And um, I know we haven't had this conversation, but 20, it'll be 27 years ago, actually, this year, Back in 1994, three weeks before I got married, my brother was murdered. And the impact that had on my family was just phenomenal. And I went straight into caretaker warrior mode. Who am I going to look after? Who like I was the oldest at home at that time. So I wanted to, I suppose, look after everybody, make sure everybody was okay. That tended mm -hmm. to be my role as the oldest girl anyway. Okay. Um, but leaving the house, like getting married three weeks later was... I don't say it's a mistake, but it's certainly not something that maybe should have happened there and then because emotionally I was not in that place. And so I often do feel, you know, I, I, I moved out of house, I got married and moved to the other side of the city, all in a very big space of time, which are huge emotional, stressful challenges anyway. Yeah. But then also dealing with what was happening in my family at the same time. Um, you know, I suppose I used to tell myself I'm fine, I'm fine. So very quickly, I realized how anxious I was and how stressed I was. And I was living in that spiral of, um, I was only just literally coping day to day, but I wasn't actually coping. I put on a mask. I didn't want anyone to realize how unhappy I was or how sad I was, how miserable I was and how scared I was. I, I lived in that mode of who's next for such a long, long time. And I suppose food and drink became my crutch as a result of that. Okay. Um, and although I always thought I was overweight, I realize now when I look back, I was slightly bigger than my friends who were probably a size eight and I might've been a size 12. So I wasn't, but I became what I believed I was because I couldn't see beyond where I was at. So it was my first pregnancy that led to a big weight, weight gain and I just, I felt like there was no way out. I tried lots of different things, but I know now every single thing that's out there works, whatever it is, it works, but it's about the mindset behind it. Okay. And so. would you say, Barbara, that, that you hit a rock bottom? Would, would oh, it be just... Absolutely. I'm, I suppose within a quick space of time, probably before my second daughter came along, I realized there was cracks in the marriage as well, and I didn't have the support. And as much as I say there's cracks in the marriage, I 100% know that I was equally messed up as my husband was at the time and he had his problems and I had mine and we literally, well, I wouldn't even say we fell apart. We did kind of grow apart, but I got to the point of I can't do this anymore. And I was always a new year, new me person. And it was quite ironic that it was on New Year's Eve. He came home from work and was whinging and moaning about something. And I just went, I cannot do this anymore. It has okay. to stop now. And he did say to me, but th this is what you want. And I'm like, surely to God, you can see this is not how life is meant to be lived. Th I know I'm miserable and I don't want my daughters growing up thinking that this is what a relationship looks like. I didn't know 
you know, like what they say, you don't get the handbook when you become a parent. You don't get a handbook when you get married either. You don't get a handbook to deal with grief or to deal with loss. Um, okay. So there was a lot of there was a lot of things going on behind the scenes with me and my awareness was actually being brought to them. And I just knew that I'd had enough and I okay. couldn't live or exist because I wasn't living. I couldn't exist the way I was existing yeah. anymore. And, and did you stay there for a while? Because a lot of people, you know, in talking to people um, when, when they hit or when they describe a rock bottom, they they go sideways. They dig sideways for a while. And then yeah. something happens that there's a shaft of light and, and they, they look up. So was, was that something that, that you found that you just kind of protected yourself, I suppose, and just curled up yeah. in that space for a while? And then something just one day clicked with you that, yeah. okay, I, I, I got to see this and, and here's, here's, here's a way up. Yeah, it, it, I'd say I, for about six years, I lived in that sideways space because I knew the day my second daughter was born, I felt real pressure the day she was born. I knew I was going to have a section because she was breech. And I always remembered the surgeons behind the door with the hands up. I could see the circles and basically um, they couldn't get the epidural in. And my husband was going, just let them knock you out, just let, them. and I was like, no, they have taken away every other piece of control from me. I am being awake when my, chi- my, my child is born. So I really was putting up, I felt I was putting up a fight from then, but the anesthetist almost whispered in my ear, don't you worry, whatever way you want, it's your body, whatever you want is what we will do. So I insisted on getting lots of punctures in my spine before eventually it worked because I wanted to be awake no matter what. So within that six, I knew that day, it was like, I remember being in recovery and being in tears. And I remember people coming to see me and being very like, why can't I tell them how I feel? I wanted to show how I felt, but I just felt it was, it wasn't right. And after a few days, one of my aunts who, my dad's younger sister, she's only 10 years older than me. She came in to visit me and she actually said, what, what's going on? You can tell me now we're on our own. And I literally poured out, I can't do this anymore. Okay. I'm not happy. I don't know how to deal with this. And were you on your own up to that point? Or had you had you been looking for help or exploring different options? Or had you... I had had some experience of... Actually, no, at that point in time, I'd probably be had a little bit, but because of the some of the help that I got, I went in saying, don't tell me I have to forgive and don't tell me I have to do this. So when I was being led down that road, it's like, nah, that's not working for me. And okay. off, I, off I went. But when my youngest daughter was two, I had a very out of character experience, lost my shit basically in my job. And after 11 years, threw all my toys out of the pram and walked out. Okay. And at that point in time, people were coming to me going, I was waiting on that to happen, waiting on that to happen. I think you might have, I think you might be suffering with depression. Actually, it could be postnatal depression. And I'm like, but my daughter's two. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, and look at the state you're in. So I remember I probably cried for about a month after I went straight to the doctor, did ring my boss. And, you know, he kept saying, look, take whatever you need. I always used to say we grew up together. We got married. We had our kids. We worked together for those important moments in our lives. So I was very reluctant to leave. But at the same time, I knew I couldn't stay right then. So he gave me the time I needed to take to step back. And I literally I went from, you know, asking for help to I remember saying to my mom I was put on medication and I remember saying it's not working there's something not right there's a cloud that's just not shifting I I felt almost like things were getting worse rather than better I remember being sent to a psychiatrist and crying saying oh god I must be really mad 
because that was my view of if you go to a psychiatrist, you're really seriously messed up. And I was, but I suppose I didn't see it. And um, okay. there was so much emotional stuff from around my brother's death, around um, my marriage breakdown and good old Catholic Ireland and the things that you should do and the people pleaser in me staying because of the fear of how am I going to tell my parents and being from a big family and a big extended family, I was the first one ever to say I'm out. Okay. So when, when you look back, when you look back at that time, is there a single thing now that you would say to yourself back then? So if you were giving yourself advice in the perspective, having gained the perspective that you have through what you've been through, is there a single piece of advice that you would tell yourself? Yeah. Um, go with your gut. And when you first think it's time to go, um, reach for reach out for help as soon as you okay. feel that. I didn't. I kept telling myself there was something wrong with me and we would sort it out. And I, I, the biggest learning for me was I was looking outside. If I'm in a new house, if I have a new car, when I go on holidays, when when this happens, I'll be OK. When that happens, okay. I'll be OK. So when I realized that I had to go inside, that was where the scary stuff began, because I had to confront the pain. I had to confront the feelings and bring them all up and out and that was that was a challenge to say the least yeah yeah and yeah. i think a lot of clients and this is i suppose your experience is 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 fantastic in helping your clients because I, I i would expect a lot of people you know who who play the if when game if i do that when if yeah. when if when and that that's a circle you know and you know yeah. yourself working with people in, in i suppose the weight loss situation to use that it's if i lose this i will be better i will and then as you get to that stage if i do this and it's so that that's where the important work that comes in, I suppose, with mindset and, and you know, um, is there anything that is there any important truth that few people agree with you on? Is there something that, that in your life you think, OK, um, this this is my truth. This is my belief. Um, and and it, 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 there's people out there that say, no, um, but you, you truly believe in it yourself. So a truth that's in me that others don't say. Yeah. Yeah. I would probably say the whole thing of um, being who you are and not worrying what other people think. It took me a long time because I was such a people pleaser. Um, and I think part of it, it happened naturally as the oldest girl. Um, my, my mom had twins when I was 12. So I got my baby doll in real life as a 12 year old. Okay. Um, and I felt a big, it, it was, to me, it was, it was very important to me to be the big sister that looked after my little brothers and sister. I've only one sister, I have six brothers. Um, so it was very important to me. So although I say I stepped into it, I didn't realize what I was taking on. It was an automatic thing. So to be able to then stand back and say, well, you know, like my mom would often say, God, I, I, I probably should have done this or I should have, and I'm like, but no, ma'am. You did the best with what you had where you were at. And that's what I had to learn. And so did I. So there wasn't a thing of blaming. It's that I, I say to my mom, we accept that. I don't like to use the word that we're all victims of our upbringing and our, but we are all conditioned by what our parents only knew. And they're doing the best with what they've got. But now what I see is I have, an, I have a chance to change that. And that was so important for me because I have two girls. That was really important to me that they had 
that power of belief that whatever they want to achieve, they can. And don't let other people influence you because I allowed other people to influence me because of Catholic Ireland or because of who will say what. Um, you know, there, there was a time I always remember when I first split up with my husband and if, if, if I was out with other couples, there was nearly this thing of don't speak to her husband because she's nearly giving you daggers like <laughs> because there was so many different dynamics that came out of it. Whereas they didn't realize that I was petrified to even go there again because yeah. I was still I was still trying to figure out who I was. Okay. It took me a long time to figure out what was important to me, what, what you know, where I stood on things and to actually be able to say and not worry about what other people think. It's an ongoing joke among my siblings. What mad thing is she up to now? But now I'm it's, now I'm nearly going, guess what I'm doing now? Yeah. And they're going, oh, she's mad. And I just go, yeah. So yeah. I, I accept if that's how they view it, that's okay. okay. Whereas I would have been worried about telling them I'm going to do this or I'm going to try that. And if they would kind of say, do you not think at your age you should be doing, do you know, whereas I'm going, I'm grateful I'm alive. So I'm grateful that I'm going to be able to push my body to do X, Y, and Z or try X, Y, and Z. Where they all think I'm crazy, but that's okay. I don't mind that now. 12 year old Barbara, tell me, 12 year old Barbara, what you wanted to be when you grew up. I wanted to be a teacher. Why? <laughs> Why? Um, because I had some really nice teachers, I think, as a child that in particular, I had one teacher for two years. I still remember as clear as day, Linda MacDonald. Um, Miss MacDonald, she was a lovely lady and um, she brought us um, and it's really interesting now that I think about it, she brought us, it, is it Tiglin, you know, the, she was an Onoiga youth leader and she brought us hosteling, I was trying to think what the word was, hosteling and now when I look back that was probably my first introduction to nature and outdoors, something that now is such a powerful part of and like a, it's a just it's the core of my being now. If I don't get outside, I'm a little bit crazy, you know. Um, but she had a really positive impact on me as a young child. But when I left school, because I was one of eight children, and at that time, grants and all that stuff didn't exist, I never actually said to my parents, I'd love to be a teacher. I'm going to need X, Y, and Z in terms of money. But because there was eight children, I just thought, I can't ask. Mm. So I didn't. Okay. So I just accepted Asher, look, I'll, I'm working part-time. I'll pay 80 quid, do the secretary course and see where I go from there. So that was okay. kind of the attitude I took. Okay. Talk to me about the outdoors. You've mentioned it a bit in our, our conversation. What, what does the outdoors do for you? Is it escape? Is it space to breathe? Is it time out? What, what, what do you love about it's being actually in nature? all of those. It's, um, I think it's, it's freedom. One of my core values is freedom and when I talk about freedom, it was that really, I actually got, I kind of got a bit emotional there when I thought about it. Freedom from my mind and my body, because I was trapped and my life, I felt trapped in all of those aspects as a young woman. And I didn't know how to find that peace. And I got a glimpse of it, as I said, as that young child. But when I was in a really bad place, age 36, my parents insisted I go to Lourdes with them. I was like, I'm having none of that religious crap. And that's exactly how I felt at that time. And I was like, but I can't. Where am I, where am I going to stay? I remember crying to my mom, you can share a room with me and your dad. Now, I was 36 years of age. My marriage had just broken down. I was emotionally and physically in a really bad place. 
but I needed my mammy and daddy to mind me and so I went and while I was there we went to a place called the city of the poor and I remember sitting at an outdoor mass and the leaves were falling it was October the leaves were falling there was like these tiered seats a conquer hit me on the head and all of a sudden I got this mad emotional rush I felt my brother's kind of nearly going haha he was a, a great messer so he was always winding me up for being the serious one and I just felt his presence nearly like a the knock on the head was like the clatter that he would have given me as a teenager he was only a year and a bit older than me so um it was that was the point when I realized I like being here and I remember saying to my mom I'm going up there again so that was kind of the start of it. And then like I, I lived near the sea, so I would have walked there as a teenager, but I don't think I valued it the way I would value it now. Let's put it that way. But back in 2016, one of the things after I lost my weight was one day I'd love to do a Camino. That's how it started. And my family yet again, you're not going off on that thing on your own. That's kind of the impression I was getting. So. I had met Linda Keating from the Marie Keating Foundation when we were doing fundraising with Slimmer World and she was apologizing that she was rushing off to go training for the Camino and I was like oh my god I'd love to do that and she's well why don't you <laughs> I don't know so I had raised money for something else um and one day up cropped this thing in Facebook you know the way Facebook is listening and Google is listening um something to do with um, going on the Camino and raising money and if you're interested send an email so I literally sent the email there and then and after I sent it I said to my partner uh, I think I might be going on the Camino in September I think I might need someone to mind the girls um how do you feel about that? and he's kind of going huh what but he had always been I have to say where I said I, got, I went from the case of not feeling supported I do often say to my partner, I feel like you're shoving me off to do my thing, but I'm leaving you behind. And he's like, no, once you're happy, I'm happy. You work away. That's so good. in September 2016, I went, turned up at the airport with 11 strangers. Well, and went. I went. We just did a week. It was the most empowering, amazing experience of my life. And I've been obsessed with the Camino ever since. Excellent. When, when you're in nature, uh, Barbara, um, do you do you listen to music or do you just listen to the sounds around you? No, I don't listen to anything except whatever's happening. I used okay. to, when I started to run first, I used to listen to stuff because I felt I needed that motivation. But now, um, no, I like to, I see things that I never noticed before. So whether it's the way the leaves are falling, it could be the squirrels jumping from tree to tree and branch to branch. I love the little robin redbreast. I always feel like there's somebody who's gone before me. Is just let give me a little reminder that they're there. Um, sometimes I dance in puddles like the kids do because it's a bit of crack. <laughs> if I have the right gear on, I'll dance in the puddles. If I get wet, then I'm literally, <laughs> I'm like, ah, feck it, I'm wet now. Let's just yeah. go for it. There's oh. just that sense of freedom. I, okay. I can't explain it. I just feel free. And do you, do you have a favourite song? If, if you were to pick a favourite song. Um, yeah, don't stop me now. <laughs> okay, by Queen. I'm, I'm not yeah. going to ask why because I mean, uh, it's, it's my power song. I don't because I want. To, I, I feel that now I can be unstoppable. I should say I am unstoppable. Um, okay. but I feel now that if I put my mind to it, I'm not going to allow whatever circumstances are outside of me to stop me from moving forward and 
trying to, well, it's not even being trying to be, but it is trying to a certain extent to be the better version of me where I can. And if that means, you know, showing the vulnerable side, um, well then so be it. Because okay. when I first shared my story, it, it did, that was the first step to that sense of freedom, you know? So being able to share that without any fear, um, you know, if, if somebody goes, oh my God, or, or you know, I, because I, I only had this discussion with my friend this morning, um, people would have said things like, there's no smoke without fire. Um, and I felt like I don't need to defend my brother. He was never in trouble in his life. It was very random. Um, and the, the, the guy that actually did it, you know, he was as high as kite and drugs. He had his own issues. So I can now, I have made peace with that now because I couldn't allow that to, it, it, it seriously messed up my head for so long that I couldn't allow that to continue. And it was only with the stuff that I learned you know, accepting where I'm at and accepting others as they are that allowed me to have that peace and acceptance. Barbara, tell me who inspires you and, and why? Oh, well, I suppose the first one was probably my girls, my daughters. That's where my first inspiration or my first awareness of being inspired because I wanted to show them, um, I suppose, not to accept things that they weren't happy with. And it wasn't anything about dissing their dad um, because that's something I feel really strongly about mothers that turn their children against their fathers I, 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 it really upsets me and um, so whatever my stuff is with him it's my stuff with him so why should I mess their heads up as well and um, so it would have started with my children but I suppose bigger people that are out there that are more well known Brené Brown because she's all about the courage um, Oprah Winfrey there's there's ordinary people that inspire me as well you know like I see I have a nephew who was born last year with um, a congenital heart problem and he had open heart surgery at 13 days old like I think he's amazing my mom my mom and dad to have survived and managed to stay together one of the questions they are asked on a constant basis is how do couples survive losing their son the way you did um and as much as they have their own demons around that, they're great crack, you know, they know how to live. Like when, when we spoke about the, the most recent lockdown, my dad said, sure, that's grand. Me and your mal have a love in, Do you know? So to, to be married for 50, how many years are they married now? 1968. So they're married 53 years. And to still have that crack. Now they both are very open in that they've had their highs and they've had their lows they still like each other and I think that is inspirational you know that you know I I would like I always just say I'm lucky to have found the partner I found and maybe I don't always appreciate him and I do tell him that that sometimes it drives me nuts but I know that he has my back and that he basically supports me and whatever hair brain bad thing I come up with he's there going that's what you want go on go for it you know so I have lots of really positive people. And that's the big thing for me, surrounding myself with positive people, because they're the people that are going to spur you on, inspire you, uplift you, motivate you, and basically tell you, go for it. They're not going to say, don't do that. And although maybe friends and family and people that you know love you, they don't always understand you. So they don't always get why you're driven to do whatever it is that you do. And if they think it's mad, that's okay as well, as I said earlier. Okay. there's lots of people that inspire and motivate me on a, on a regular basis yeah 
Barbara, we're going to leave it there. I just want to thank you for joining us this morning. It's been absolutely wonderful to talk to you. And um, Barbara, stay unstoppable. Thank you. And that's it for another week. Thanks for joining us this morning and do join us next time on Be Your Best You. Have a good week. Thank you.